This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Can you believe it? Today is our three-week anniversary. I know. And they said it wouldn't last. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, God has blessed us so much. I never thought I'd get this chance again, especially with two kids in tow. Well, Cindy, we seem to be off to a really good start of building Mm -hmm. a new family together. You know, you, me, the kids, we all get along so well. I just really think... Mom, you promised you would take me out to practice my driving. Daddy! Daddy! Come on, Mom. I have to buy popcorn for my friends. Come on, Mom! I'm never going to get to the mall. And I'm never going to get my license. <sighs> Daddy! Daddy! Oh, what, Gina? I don't know. I just want you. Oh. Hey, everybody, come here. Come, come over on, here. Come on, guys. Hey, guys. You know, I know this is really strange. You know, and it's, it's very hard to, to juggle the lives of six people together. But I also, I know all of us, and I know we can make this work, and we can have a happy family. Yeah, you know what? He's right. We can be a great family, but we all have to work hard to get there, okay? So what do you say, Gina? Do you want to come to High School Musical with us? Really? I'm invited. Can I get some of your friends, Courtney? Sure. How about Alec? You want to go to the mall with us? <laughs> Not really. <laughs> I thought maybe you'd want to drive? All right, that's what I'm talking about. (laughs) Hey, Allison, maybe I can meet some of your friends. Dream on, geek. It's embarrassing enough to have to to be seen in the same car as you. I really want to meet those airheads anyway. Might be contagious. (laughs) I love you, Cindy. I love you too, dear. Just do something about those kids of yours. Your kids. Your kids. Your kids. Your kids. Your kids. Your kids. <laughs> Thank you. Oh. I was going to say that looks familiar up there, huh? You don't have to even be part of a blended family to. Uh, it's kind of like Saturday at the Merwin's house, right there. You got a picture of the uh, of the household. Yeah, I know there's a lot of you who are here for the very first time this morning, so let me go ahead and uh, introduce myself. I'm Bob. I'm also on uh, the pastoral staff here, and it is great to have you with us this morning. We are going to be talking about blended families or step families, and, uh, but I think you'll find as we go throughout the morning that a lot of the ideas and the principles that we're going to be talking about are applicable really to all of us in one form or another. Um, prior to coming on staff here at New Life, I was in private practice for a number of years as a marriage family and therapist. And it seemed like, boy, the large percentage of my clientele always was stepfamilies. So what do you think? Does that mean that uh, stepfamilies are messed up more than the uh, regular families? No, somebody said no. No, I agree. It doesn't mean that. What it means, though, is that there's a lot of issues and situations and circumstances that stepfamilies have to deal with that oftentimes are extremely challenging and uh, difficult adjustments. So, um, while stepfamilies are not more messed up 
But there are some difficulties that they have to face that the rest of us or people who are not from blended families don't have to face. So am I saying they're different? Yes. I'm saying they're different and there's some unique situations. But you need to hear this from the very beginning, especially if you are part of a step family. And this may be the most important thing I'll say all morning long. While the circumstances and the challenges of step families are different than non-step families, step families are not worse than or less than non-step families. Do you hear that? Step families are not worse than or less than non-step families. As a matter of fact, look at our first point here. Step families are not second-class families. See, it's my understanding, it's, it's my belief that from God's perspective, and then hence really it should be from all of our perspectives, that a step family is just as valuable, it's just as loved, it's just as significant, it is just as much a family as a non-family, a non-step family. You see, in God's economy, step families are not less a family than a regular family. If you are here or if you are part of this church and you're a step family, please hear this. You are not a second-class family in this church, nor should you be anywhere else. You are not a less than family. As a matter of fact, in some ways, your family has a better opportunity to display the very heart or the very essence of the message of healing and redemption and hope that is encapsulated in who Christ is and what Christ is all about. See, a step family at the very heart of it is a picture of the gospel. Once we were, what, broken. Once we were hurting, once we were lost, once we were abandoned. But then we were restored. God brought us back into his family. He brought us back into relationship with him. God takes that which is broken and he makes it whole. In fact, one of my favorite verses in the Bible says, God takes the lonely and he places them in families. I don't think I actually gave you that reference if you want to write it in. It's Psalm 68, 6. God takes the lonely and he places them into families. Friends, you should never live ashamed if you are part of a step family. Nor should anyone ever judge you or look down on you because you are part of a step family. Let me ask you a question for those of you who feel comfortable answering. How many of you, and you can I'll ask for the response in a moment, how many of you are part of a step family, whether through grandparents or parents or siblings or aunts or uncles, somewhere in your relatively immediate family that you are connected in with a stepbrother, stepsister, stepuncle, step something? Raise your hand if you would, if you don't mind. Look around. Keep your hands up for a second. Look around. Look at how many people hands are up. 
being part of a step family, being associated with a step family affects all of us. My children have nine grandparents. Nine grandparents. And Brenda, my wife and I, neither one of us have ever been divorced or remarried. It used to be that parents had a lot of kids, right? Now it's kids have a lot of parents. <laughs> Over 30% of all marriages in the United States today form a step family. One, about, one out of every three marriages that take place in the U.S. today form a step family. So our step families, are they a good thing or are they a bad thing? Well, I guess in a perfect world, there would be no step families, right? Because in a perfect world, there'd be no divorce. There'd be no death. There'd be no unwed mothers, all of which help to contribute to step families. But in case you haven't noticed, we don't live in a perfect world. But step families have the opportunity to take something not perfect and turn it into something good. Step families have the opportunity to take something not perfect and turn it into something redemptive. Lest you think I'm being too Pollyannic about that, let me say this. You've heard it said, I'm sure, that there's no more difficult job in the world than that of being a single parent. Well, let me say this. There are no relationships that are more difficult to make successful than those that are produced in a step family. It is one of the hardest environments to establish healthy, life-giving relationships. See, to create and to develop and enjoy a healthy and life-giving step family, it's a monumental task. It's doable, but it's not easy. It's difficult, and it's complex, and it's not without some risk. It's been found that step families experience three times as much stress as a non-step family. Three times as much stress. That's a lot of stress. Speaking of stress, how many of you enjoy math? Yeah, a few of you. I want to give you a mathematical equation because I want to use it to help illustrate just one aspect of the complexity of a step family. This was first put together by a gentleman named Chris Gonzalez. And it's this. R equals N times N minus 1. So R is the number of different relationships in a family, right? That's mother's relationship with dad, dad's relationship with mom, mom's relationship with son number one, dad's relationship with son number one, son, right? That's the number of relationships in a family. N stands for the number of people in the family. So let's look at a family of five, right? We have mom and dad and three kiddos, okay? So the number N equals five. So let's put that into our equation. The relationships equals five times five minus one or four, which is 20. So in a family of five, there are 20 different relationships interplaying and relating to one another. Well, let's take that same formula and plug it into step families. Say again, a family of five. You have mom, 
and you have dad. And biologically speaking, let's say he has one, she has one, and they have one together. So you have your family of five, N equals five. But then you have to add in the two X's, right? So now we have N equals seven. Well, let's say those two X's get married. Now N equals nine. And let's say those new spouses have two kids of their own. So all of a sudden we go from N equals nine to N equals 13. And just to make it fun, let's say they each have a child of their own. So now N equals 15. 15 times 15 minus 1 or 15 times 14 is 210. So in a family of five, a step family of five, there are 210 different relationships that are taking place within that immediate family. Let me tell you that that many relationships are stressful, right? Some would say crazy-making. Twenty as compared to 210. So how do we navigate? How do we navigate all these relationships and all the other circumstances and consequences and complexities of being part of a blended family or a step family? Well, I'd like to take the next several minutes and unpack some of these ideas and give you some principles that I believe that when they're embraced and they're implied with intentionality into your situations, they will go a long way in making a significant difference in your step families. Not just making them survive, not just making them functional, but making them satisfying, making them life-giving and successful. So as we start to talk about a step family, let's look at, I've narrowed it down to two goals, trying to keep it simple. Two goals for a step family, okay? The first one is this, survive. The number one goal for a step family is to survive. And you know what? Oftentimes, or I guess all the time, that's a lot easier said than it is done. Here's the hard truth. Two out of every three step families will break up. Two out of every three will break up. And kids are twice as likely to divorce if their parents are divorced. And that number goes up exponentially with each subsequent divorce and remarriage of their parents. The first goal of a step family is to survive. The second goal is this. Organize the family in such a way that creates a safe environment, promoting everyone's general well-being and development. The second goal of a step family is to organize the family in such a way that creates a safe environment, promoting everyone's general well-being and development emotionally, mentally, relationally, physically, and spiritually. By the way, those two goals are no different than any family's goals. But step families also have one non-goal. This is not a goal of a step family, and here it is. One non-goal, to look and act like a non-step family. I don't have time to fully unpack that. We'll address it and talk about it more as we go forward. But from the get-go, you've got to understand that it's not the goal 
of a step family to try to look like and act like a non-step family. We'll talk more about that. So how do we go about achieving these two goals and how do we avoid the non-goal? Well, I have narrowed it down, whittled it down really to a simple list of a mere 25 essential key ingredients for achieving these two simple goals. Oh, I say that unfortunately only half jokingly. If you look forward in your notes, we do. We have 25 goals. You've got to remember that one of the primary characteristics of step families is complexity. One of the primary characteristics of step families is complexity. Obviously, we won't have time to go through all 25 of these in full detail. But I wanted to give them to you because I believe they're important and I wanted you to have them so that you could take them and that you could look at them later and you could refer back to them and begin to understand them and to develop them on your own. So as we get going, the key understanding to begin with is that trying to resist or deny the complexity of a step family is not helpful for your family, right? Oftentimes called denial. To understand that we just can't go through and make these couple simple elements to, to creating a successful step family. It is complex, it is complicated, and you need to understand and go with that. So let's run through these, starting with number, 20, 20, starting with number one. Starting with number 25, you're all going, yeah, that's cool. <laughs> Starting with number one, be patient. And there's a reason that I put this one at the very beginning. It is one of the most important ones. I cannot stress it to you enough. Studies have shown, actually extensive studies have shown, that it takes the average of five to seven years for a step family to kind of find their rhythm, to come into their own place of normality. It takes five to seven years for a step family to integrate with one another. Each one of these points has a scripture that goes with it so that we don't have to stay here all afternoon. <laughs> I'm not going to be reading all these scriptures, but they'll be up there. You'll also, if you look in your program, there's a whole set of all these scriptures so you don't have to write them down on a different piece of paper. But you've got to realize that five to seven years is the average time it takes for a step family to begin to blend and work together. And that is a long, long time. And it can't be rushed. It can't be forced. There are no microwave steps to becoming a healthy, successful step family. It is a slow cooker process. You put all the ingredients in there. And they've got to soak together and sit together over a long period of time. Research shows that it takes six months to two years for a parent, a step-parent and a stepchild to begin to interact and relate to one another in a healthy and functional manner. Six months to two years. And that's if everything's going well. Kids need time. They need lots and lots of time to adjust. Be patient. The number one ingredient in blending together a step family and making it into a healthy, satisfying family is to be patient. Without this one, I, I don't want to say that you're doomed, but I'll tell you this, without this, you are going to have lots of troubles. 
Number two, be realistic. A step family will not function like a non-step family. This harkens back to our our non-goal. A step family will not function or act like a non-step family, nor should it. See, you've got to be realistic about what you're doing when you form a step family. You're bringing together two distinct families with two different identities, two different names, different traditions, different desires, right? Most children, to say the least, are not as excited about coming together in this new family as the parents are. No matter how desperately you want your stepfamily to be like a biological family, it simply won't happen. This expectation, this mindset has to be changed for stepfamilies to succeed. See, one of the major barriers for a healthy stepfamily adjustment is a parenting team that denies this reality. A parenting team that has their mind that we're just going to look like this and we'll get along this way and we'll relate to each other this way just like a biological family, but it doesn't happen. You need to come to accept your family's unique challenges as well as the unique opportunities that you have as a step family. See, if you refuse to admit that you're different or that you're going to be different, you inadvertently shut off the ability to learn new ways of interacting with each other. You shut off the ways to figure out how to relate to one another more effectively and to establish healthy and satisfying relationships with one another. Let's move on to number three. Be flexible. If your expectations are rigid, your family will break. So you've got to be willing to adjust and adapt your expectations to what your new family is going to look like. You've got to understand that, boy, little Johnny might not get along with, you know, Sally and stepmom and stepdad like you thought they were and that you were planning. You've got to be flexible. A step family will not be successful if it is not flexible. If you're not willing to adjust and flex your expectations, it will break. Number four, be prepared. If you've ever traveled, particularly if you've ever traveled to a foreign country, it always pays a lot of dividends to prepare for your trip and to figure out what you're going to encounter before you get there. It's always best to consult a travel agent, right? Figure out before you get there what to expect, what the culture is going to be like, what the social expectations are, what the food is going to be like. Find out as much as you can before going. Think about it this way. When you get to that foreign country, you're not just going to be a visitor. You're going to become a citizen of that country. And the more you know about it, the better. The more information you can get, the better you'll be able to navigate the terrain that you're going to face. Find out as much as you can about step families. Whether you're going into one or whether you've been one for a number of years, the more information and the more understanding that you can develop, the more successful you will be. Read books, go to seminars, watch videos, become informed, get different resources. I've included a couple websites there in your notes that I've found very helpful. A lot of the information that I'm giving you is from those. Two of the guys that are extremely helpful are Ron Dell and Jim Burns, who are on those sites. Take a look at those. Number five, be understanding. 
I'd like to read to you a poem. It was written by a 13-year-old girl. It says this. Which limb am I? I have two sets of parents. I'm lucky, you say. Just try and be in my shoes every other Friday. I love you. Oh, no, I love you more. Oh, somebody, please, somebody, get me out of this tug of war. The lawyers and the judges, they all play a part in creating a torn, shattered, and broken heart. I know I'm not alone. There are lots of kids like me with a horribly complicated family tree. The understanding. Stepkids who are living between two homes or two families are traveling between two different countries. It's stressful and it's often very difficult to always remember what side of the road you're supposed to be driving on. Trying to keep track of and figure out the exchange rate of the different currencies can be very confusing. Having to live out of a suitcase, not having all the things that you're accustomed to having when you need them produces stress. For a step family to be successful, there needs to be understanding. Number six is be sensitive. Before any, actually before every step family is formed, there is hurts. Before every step family comes together, there are hurts. Whether it's divorce, whether it's death, whether it's an unwanted pregnancy, there has been hurts. Often some very, very deep hurts. That means every family member has scars. Some of them have some very open wounds. See, in kids, as well as adults, actually, they feel trapped between this place of the fear of the future and the mistrust of the future and the hurts of the past. People need time. People need safety to heal. Not days, not weeks, not months, but years. Loss brings the fear of more loss, which brings resistance and reluctance to new relationships. If you're coming into a step-family situation, there has been loss. And that produces a fear of more loss. And that makes people shut down. It makes people hold back. And it makes them resistant and reluctant to new, go into new relationships. If you ever wonder why it's so hard for a step-parent and a step-child to get along, that's why. Mark Twain once said, a cat who sits on a hot stove will never sit on one again. But he will never sit on a cold one either. Be sensitive. Be sensitive to all the changes that are going on, the new home, potentially a new school, new brothers, new sisters, a shared bedroom. Changes in your place within the family. Think of this one daughter, right? A single daughter. She's the... Mom's princess. When mom marries a man with five boys, that princess goes from being a princess to who are you and where are you? Be sensitive to the changes. Think of all the sexual tension in the home. Having to share a bathroom with people of the opposite sex, people that you don't hardly even know. 
maybe even people you don't like. Maybe somebody you find attractive. Changes. Stressful changes. In a series of changes, we need to be sensitive to what is going on in the different members of the family as they come together. Number seven, be a friend. Be a friend before an authority figure. This one is huge, significant, important. Time plus respect given equals the right to speak into and direct someone else's life. Time plus respect given, we're talking to parents here, equals the right to speak into and direct someone else's life. And maybe with a lot of time and a lot of patience, even one day discipline. To answer a question that's often asked, bottom line, the bio parent, the biological parent should do the disciplining, especially with older kids until those relationships are developed. Number eight, be in agreement. Mom and stepdad, stepdad and mom, be on the same page for your expectations for your children and for disciplining your children. Discuss and review your expectations and the disciplining of your children. Be in agreement. Come up with a plan. Talk often about how you are going to discipline your children and what the expectations are for the children. Number nine, be talkative. Communicate often and always. Have an ongoing dialogue, how everyone is doing. Check in regularly. Talk about how you're going to make this work. How are people feeling? How are people thinking? Allow everyone to find and express their voice. Communication is important in any relationship. In step families, it's vital to continue to talk, to continue to process, continue to check in. Number 10, be respectful. Kids don't have to love their step-parents. As a matter of fact, they may not even like them. But they do need to show respect. Be respectful. What's the best way to get kids, stepkids, to show respect to their parents and their stepparents? By showing them respect and treating them with respect. Fathers, do not nag your children. If you are too hard to please, they may want to stop trying. Number 11, be selective. Be selective as to what battles to fight and which ones to let go. Some things that seem very important, they aren't. That's a great scripture. Accept one, accept one another's behaviors who are weak in the faith and don't argue with them about what they think is right or wrong. For instance, if one person believes it's all right to eat anything, but another believer with a sensitive conscience will eat any, only vegetables, 
Those who feel free to eat anything must not look down on those who don't, and those who don't eat certain foods must not condemn those who do, for God has accepted them all. A great principle within a step family. Number 12, be forgiving. To have a healthy, satisfying step family, you need to be forgiving. You need to forgive yourself. You need to forgive yourself. You need to forgive yourself. You need to forgive your ex. Friends, I can't tell you how important and how vital those two things are. One of the most destructive forces in a step family is the ghosts of the past. Nothing will destroy a step family quicker than resentments carried over from the past. Number 13, be positive, which is why you need to be forgiving. Be positive about your ex. Be positive about your spouse's ex. Be positive about your stepkids. One of the best ways to develop trust with a stepchild is to be positive about his or her other parent. Stepdad, the more positive you are about Biodad, sounds like a toy on your Christmas list, huh? Biodad. The more, the more positive you are about the biological father or about the biological mother, the quicker you will establish trust with your stepchild. A gentle answer deflects anger, but harsh words make tempers flare. Boy, we've all seen that uh, dealing with those situations. Number 14, be cooperative. The better relationship that you have with your ex and with your stepchild's biological parents, the better your relationship will be with your stepchild. Be cooperative. The better you can work things out with your ex and the better that you can work things out with your stepchildren's biological parents, the better relationship you will have with your stepchild and the more more happy and healthy your family will be. There's an old African proverb that says, when two elephants fight, it's the grass that suffers. As much as it depends on you, get along with your ex and with your spouse's ex. Number 15, be connected inwardly and outwardly. As a family, you're creating a new family unit and you need to spend time together and you need to be connected. Good. But listen to this. This is important. Yes, have outings with your whole family, but at times it's good for bio mom to have outings with her biological children and for biological father to have outings just with his biological children. These are relationships that have gone on for a long time that have formed. There's traditions and relationships and connections there. It's good for them to continue. Don't be afraid of those times. Yes, it's good for stepmom to take out the stepchildren on her own and stepdad to take out the step... All those things and certainly as a family. But it's also good to keep some of those bonds and some of those relationships going between biological connections. 
So connect inwardly, but also connect outwardly. Because of the struggles and the adjustments and the complexities of a step family, you need to begin to connect outwardly outside of just your family unit, which could certainly suck all your energy and all your time and all your emotions and all your focus. Because of that, as a family, you need to form connections and relationships outside of your family. A great place to do that is the church, to come and to get involved, to come and be supportive. We encourage everybody to be part of a life group. But let me tell you what, if you're trying to navigate through the waters of a step family, there is no more important place than you can be than to be part of a life group where you're getting supported and you're being encouraged and you're getting perspective on life. Be connected inwardly and outwardly. Number 16, be fun. Right? Laugh together. Play together, play games together, do things that are enjoyable. Be fun together. It says, God, he will once again fill your mouth with laughter and your lips with shouts of joy. Number 17, be practical. Be practical. How are you going to handle new and potentially awkward situations? Talk through this stuff. How are you going to introduce one another? Right? This is my father's wife's sister's husband. Talk about it. What are you going to call one another? And, and hear this. Please don't ever force a child to call a step-parent mom or dad. Don't force that. It's a wonderful thing when it happens. But it can't be forced. It's got to be part of the, the wonderfulness of coming together as a family. Talk about what are you going to call, call grandparents? It's awkward for a new kid to call some old man he's never met before grandpa. What about aunts and uncles? Talk through the different situations, how you can minimize the awkwardness of those. Be practical. Number 18, be generous. Actually, be more than generous with your time and with your praise and with your patience and with your attention and certainly with grace. Be overly generous within the family, there are some huge holes that have been left in hearts. See if you can fill them up. What a wonderful goal, what a wonderful opportunity for a step family or for a step parent to identify the holes and be overly generous in trying to fill those holes. Be protective. Be protective of your marriage. Be intentional in being protective of your marriage. Structure time to nurture. I think we're on the next slide here. There we go. Structure time to nurture and care for your marriage. Weekend to remember, weekend to remember. Take time to nurture and care for your marriage. A healthy and happy marriage, hear this, a healthy and happy marriage is still one of the biggest indicators of the successful welfare of your children, both step and biological. This new marriage is still one of the best indicators of the health and success of your children and your stepchildren. It will provide for them safety and security. Take time to protect your marriage. Number 20, be committed. Be committed to making this family, making this marriage 
work. Be committed. You've got to be in it for the long haul. It's often asked by step families. We saw it here with the Robinsons this morning on stage. Kind of when does the honeymoon come? But for step families, the honeymoon's on the back end. It's after you've made it through the seven years and beyond. It's when you've seen the kids become successful and adjust and the family now has its own identity. Be committed for the long haul. Number 21, be persistent in reaching out to and loving your stepchildren. Be persistent. Continue to to work through the walls. Continue to work through the hurt. Continue to, to give. Continue to be generous over and over again. There's a lot of defenses and a lot of fears and a lot of hurts that you've got to get through. You've got to be committed to being persistent, to reaching out to your stepchildren. Be persistent in making this relationship work. And remember, oftentimes where they're having an attitude or having a difficulty, it doesn't necessarily mean it's about you. There's a lot of those changes and a lot of difficulties they're trying to go through. So be persistent in reaching out and making the family work. Number 22, be a team. Work together. Cooperate with one another. Try to identify and understand everyone's unique role within the family. And remember, it may not look like a typical family. Work towards agreement. Work towards cohesion and consensus, not dictatorship. Number 23, be in prayer. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Invite God into every aspect of this process. Ask God to show you how you can best serve your new family. Be in prayer and ask God not just to fix your kid, not just to fix your ex, not just to fix your new, your new spouse, but ask God what you can do to best serve your new family. It's not about you, Mom. It's not about you, Dad. It's not even about your marriage. It's about the family. Invite God into all aspects of it and ask him to show you how you can serve your family. 24, be real. Be real about your struggles, about the difficulties. Be real about the successes. Acknowledge within your family that there is that this is an extremely difficult time and transition for everyone involved. Acknowledge the struggles. Give permission for people to feel pain. Allow people to grieve what they've lost that may come up again and again. Allow everyone to adjust at their own pace. Be real about the difficulties and be real and talk about the successes. And then number five, most importantly, I save this for last because it's vital. Be tolerant of disharmony. Be tolerant of disharmony. It takes a minute for your mind to get around this one. As iron sharpens iron, 
So one man sharpens another. To be successful as a stepfamily, you need to learn to endure disharmony in your home. Disharmony in a stepfamily is unavoidable. First service, I got a lot of amens there. Disharmony in a stepfamily is unavoidable. But it's the desert that must be journeyed through to make it to the promised land. So am I saying just to let all hell break loose? No, of course not. What I'm saying is be proactive and implement all 25 of these different B things that we've talked about this morning. Consciously put them into the interactions and the inner workings of your family. Be diligent and be intentional. But the crux of becoming a step family is developing a family identity, your own and unique family identity. See, bio families, they're born with it. But step families, they have to grow it. See, they're being, step families come together and they're born with different last names. They're born with different pasts. And step families have to come together and learn how to be a family. And to learn how to be a family, there is going to be disharmony. The process will be bumpy. But the struggles that you face will force you to walk together in the midst of the conflict. And you'll have to find ways of loving each other in the midst of those contexts. And you'll have to figure out ways to work things out. See, rubbing rough edges together, to take your rough edges and you rub them against somebody else's rough edges, over time those begin to smooth. And eventually, they produce connectedness. Endure disharmony because the struggle is what produces trust and respect and appreciation for one another. Working through disharmony moves you forward as a family. Working through disharmony. My friends, let me tell you, if you work through the struggles, if you begin to implement these ideas, there is hope. There is hope to be a wonderful family and wonderfully successful as a family. There is calm on the other side of the journey, but you have to restore, you have to withstand the storms. Which brings us to our closing principle. You have to be able to withstand the storms and that's why it is so crucial to build the foundation of your new family on God's grace, love, and forgiveness. To increase the chances of your family not only surviving but thriving. It's to build your family and your relationships on the foundation of God's grace and God's love, and God's forgiveness. Our closing scripture, our closing scripture is this. Jesus is speaking, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on the solid rock. Though the rains come in the torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against the house, it will not collapse because it was built on bedrock.
But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish. Like a person who builds a house on the sand, when the rains and the floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. Pray with me, please. Father, as we, uh, as we talk about a lot of different things, God, most of all, I'm struck by your wonderful redemptive ability. God, to take that which was intended for evil and turning it to good. God, I pray for each person here who's connected with a step family. God, that you would give them strength and that you would give them encouragement. I thank you for the families that have been struggling through it for years and are now beginning to enjoy some of the, the blessings of the relationships that have formed. God, I pray for those families who are in the midst of the struggle. Will you give them a grace and a strength? God, will you help them to be connected in and supported? Will you help them to know how much that they are loved? And God, most of all, that they are not a second-class family. But God, it is the message of redemption that we proclaim. And they exemplify that message. God, we thank you and bless you in Jesus' name. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.